This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you happen to be while you're listening to this voice come through the room. It's Larry Charles, one half of the Game Dev Unchained podcast team, uh, a team dedicated to making podcasts every Tuesday morning about the lifestyle of game developers and the game development industry. And in this podcast, if you caught the secret word, which was team, then you know I'm about to introduce somebody very special near, dear my heart. It's this week's guest. Mr. Brandon Fam, what's up? Thank you again for inviting me back, Larry. Oh, this is Brandon Fam. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode. Welcoming also a returning guest, Amen. Richard Ulbico. Richard, Woo! did I say it right? On, I was about to say Lyco. <laughs> no, you got it right. You got it right. Lyco, it is. Yeah. So Richard's joining us uh, from Seattle still. Yeah, Washington. And he is from episode 81, right? I just grabbed that from the back of my mind. Didn't look at it. Up. Yeah, we got it memorized. Yeah, of yeah. course. Never Two years ago. Right? Yeah. So for new listeners that haven't heard from you since then, can you kind of give a little uh, review of who you are real quick? Not the whole spiel. They can go listen yeah. to 81. But now nah, right. catch up. Yeah. So since the last we spoke, um, I, I spent a lot of time uh, getting our first game, Moss, out the door at, at a studio uh, called Polyarch, um, yeah. a new group of us. And uh, Moss, uh, Moss is doing well. It's out on the shelf, and I'm still employed. So that's, a, that's great. That's a good Win sign. number one and win number two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the last time we talked was really interesting. Um, I actually reached out to you recently. Thanks for the advice. Because I'm about to embark on a similar journey and being the family, man, it's always that, that scary little hesitant look over the edge. So uh, you gave me great advice. If you don't mind kind of expanding on it, you were talking about risk versus regret. Do you mind kind of talking about that a bit? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when, when it was my turn to leave Bungie and to try the Polyarch thing, um, it really came down to you know, can I do this financially? Like, am I going to let my family down? Like, do I have enough runway to be able to pull it off? And if I do, then what would happen if I said no? Like, would I regret that? And I thought to myself, yeah, this is the team. This is the opportunity. If I said no to this, I honestly couldn't you know, like I'd, I'd always be wondering, I'd always be looking back at my past thinking, did I do the right thing? So by taking this jump, it 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 allowed me to take that risk and allowed me to at least get that question answered. And I got lucky it worked out. It could have just as easily have not worked out, but at least I had a plan, a plan in place for if it didn't work out. And now I don't have that unanswered question in my past. That's amazing, man. I mean, that to me was one of the biggest life lesson I learned. <laughs> that credits to you, man. We We talked to a lot of guests. But that was the one thing. I don't know if it was because of the moment and where I was at, but it would re- really rang true. And it's something that I am pursuing myself. 
And I hope, I feel like there's a lot of artists or at least developers out there listening right now that is probably always wondering that, especially from our industry. So yes, thank you for back that. The mirror and seeing, you know, what could have been. Yeah. So uh, this podcast episode is aside from the updates of what's the, I want to kind of dig through kind of like um, questions that we have. And I feel a lot of listeners out there, like one of the biggest elusive thing is that I'm finding out the business of making games is actually uh, could be more about before the game comes out. Like there's our, there are ways to make money to kind of guarantee your success uh, without having to throw the dice when it ships. Yeah. So you guys obviously had publisher deals or not. Uh, can you kind of talk about more of that aspect of uh, after kind of digging into your savings and doing this together, like getting a prototype? Like how, how does that usually unfold? Like who makes the connection? How do you guys make the connection? You know, it's it's different for everybody. So anything I say is pretty much just just our experiences. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of it happened. Um, uh, we, we have three founders, Danny, Chris and Tam. So I was kind of riding along with them. So they did a lot of the the deal making and I just kind of got to be witness to it and help out where I could. Um, but what we did was um, we we first started looking for investors, mm-hmm. um, people that wanted to grow with the studio that thought that the emerging VR market had room to grow and that studios that got in early could grow with the market. So that was our original plan. Um, so we, 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 uh, we put together a, a prototype from Moss and actually a different game too. So we two, two full fledged demos took about two months to make both of them, uh, mm-hmm. two months each. I mean, and then started shopping them around to publishers, to investors, to essentially anyone that can help us stay alive. Meanwhile, we're all living off of our savings that we mm-hmm. we put aside from Bungie. Um, we got some interest from publishing partners. We got some interest from investors, but it was the investment market that actually won out in that situation. And we were able to score $3.5 million, um, with public knowledge. Um to to make moss and then that's actually what we did like there was no publisher we self-published a game we made it in a little over a year and a half is like year and nine months got it out on the shelf and um pretty much used up all of that money to do it mm-hmm. um and then from there been living off of sales so and just to clarify you said 3.5 million public knowledge is that to say that that's the entire amount and you're letting the public know that it was or was there like some <laughs> Yeah, you know, publicly we made three point five, but you know, yeah. exactly. it was more fucking my own ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a there was a an article that the guys published about the three point five million dollar yeah. investment, and yeah, that's that's it. That's all that yeah. I knew of. Fair so enough. one of the things that I always question is like, of course, three point five giving a percentage of the company that's based on evaluation from somewhere in the ether. Like, how did you, how does that process work? Because that's the one thing that we're starting to get into where it's like, do we just 10 times our yearly revenue stream right now? Like there's so many ways to do it. How did you guys do it? Obviously you guys haven't made a dime yet. You're still a farming company. how did you guys get around to getting that valuation for a game? Oh, geez. You know, um, one of the founders would be better to answer this question, but from what I remember them telling me, 
um, there's a standard valuation for a startup studio that your lawyer usually can advise on what that amount is. And then your shares are worth that standard valuation amount. Um, and then when you start growing and you start looking at the number of employees you have, the potential IPs that you own, the value of those IPs based on, you know, public awareness and profitability, um, a bunch of other factors like hardware and, you know, mm. duration of being a business, stuff like that. These all factor into, you know, how much your evaluation changes over time. So, you know, we've obviously gone up because now we have Moss as an IP out on, on you know, available to consumers. So, um, you know, I, I don't know exactly what our valuation is. Um, it's not really my business anyway, but, um, I do know that, you know, over time you can build that. Um, mm-hmm. but when you, when you talk to a lawyer, I mean, they should probably just say, well, you, you're worth this much with this many employees and, you know, really no IP yet. Mm-hmm. So I guess my follow-up question is when they're investing, like, what are you promising them in the back end, like when you sell or when you go public or what, what exactly are they banking on? Are when the part of the game sells is like, what exactly are you promising these guys it's, in general as a game company? It's, it's a good question. Um, you're just promising them the opportunity to grow with you and whatever that brings in the future. So some studios um, pay them back by going into business. Some studios pay them back by getting bought out. Um, some studios end up just staying profitable and remaining under the radar. And then people can, I don't know, find a ways that I don't even know if they can sell their stock or not. Um, this is kind of not my area, but, yeah. um, you know, like if you look at Facebook and stuff, they obviously got investment opportunities right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So when they went public, all of their investors just got rich, right? Got rich, yeah. So um, usually investors are looking for those types of opportunities. Mm-hmm. promise all day (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah we're from bungie and that's like a billion dollar company obviously (laughs) that's where we're in if it was that easy (laughs) that would have been amazing easy sell no problem you know go ahead i'm sorry what's cool is like you saying that like hey our lawyer actually helped us come up with that initial valuation that's something that i didn't even think or put any weight into previously i always thought like okay i saw shark tank and they basically asked what your sales were for the year and like Uh, no but it's was there any before asking the lawyer right what they thought their valuation were did you guys actually take a stab at what you thought you were going to ask for was it just based on the game and the needs to produce it or was there like okay so we'll probably need two times whatever we think so we're thinking you know, yeah, take us back to the investor yeah. versus uh, publisher. The lawyer, exactly. Yeah. Well, no. not the lawyer, but the publisher. The, the publisher gets a good chance. Yeah. Yeah, we just asked for we we you know we scoped out the game. We said, well, we think this is how much it's going to cost, and this is how much we we want to safely make the game. We can guarantee we'll we'll get a game out on the shelf with this much money, and that that's what we were asking for. And okay. we didn't want to shoot too high because the more money you ask for, the more the more of your company you, you give out. So, so we're just like, okay, well, this is, this is where we want to go. This is our target. And we just find, found the right investors that said, okay, well, that works for us because it fit within their portfolio of how much they're looking to spend, how much risk mm. they're willing to take. And it was actually three different investors that added up to that amount that nice. gave us that. So there was a lead and then there were follow-ons and the lead is usually the one that knows the most about the risk and will deal directly with the studio and the follow on investors are usually just the ones that add some extra money, but are pretty hands off about the whole thing. Okay. 
That's Thank very you, interesting. <laughs> well, just so you know, um, we do have Patreon supporters. So if ever you need another <laughs> investor, come to us. You know, we. I'm just saying. I've seen you do well. I like your portfolio, and I think that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, our Patreons for laundering money, by the way. <laughs> You get quarters out of it, huh? Yeah, we have a new tier. It's the $3.5 million tier. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's how we do it. I'm just just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, if you're looking for for a lot of great information on startups and how it all works. um, We are, actually. One of the podcasts that um, Tam, our our CEO, recommended to me to listen to was called Startup. Um, Oh, right, right. Have you heard of that one? Yeah. Yes. That podcast gets so popular that they actually tried to make a show out of it. Like, I think Zach Braff did the, am I right? Was it Zach Braff? They did like an actual TV show spinoff. Maybe. All I know is that it got bought out by uh, Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. For billions of dollars. Those fuckers. He did well. His startup worked. Yeah, no, I I love a startup podcast. One day... One day, Larry, we'll go to Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna make some more podcasts. But uh That's a great one. Right. We close one. The so after you got the investor money, obviously, I I believe you guys had a PlayStation exclusive or month timely exclusive. Like what was the type of deal? Like how does that work? Do you, was it literally an email to kind of start the conversation and showing a demo? Or how exactly did you guys get to that point? Well, without talking about the specifics of that deal, right. I don't think I'm allowed to. Um, uh, we we reached out to essentially all possible business partners, so mm-hmm. Oculus, Sony, um, uh, Valve, whoever we can get in contact with, and we we're like, "This is what we're doing," and then mm-hmm. send them their demo, give them hands-on time, get feedback from them. Um, and by doing that, we started building relationships with these people. And, you know, they started getting to know the team. They started getting to know what we were capable of doing and the product that we had going on. They got to see some of the progress as we made it. And then from that point, you know, we just kept talking to them about biting. Like, hey, is there anything we can do with you guys? Like any, can we be in, you know, a show with you guys? Can we be with you at E3? Can we be in your booth at, you know, at GDC or something? And then that kind of snowballed into some deals that we were able to make. Um, And, you know, from there, it's like you just got to keep putting that that best foot forward. We actually have a, a, a marketing guy named Lincoln who essentially headed up all of that. So he was our contact. And to this day, he's still wheeling and dealing, talking to people. And um, you know, we've met some really amazing people in the industry that have helped us. Like Sony's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Was it like those back and forth? Was it flying in and out? Was it mostly over the Internet first and then finally meeting at, at a convention or something? Yeah, it was mostly, uh, you know, we had we had some partners come out and visit us at the studio because they wanted to see our environment and meet the team. Mm. Um, but mostly it was, you know, just sending them builds or um, just talking to them about possible opportunities via email and, you know, sending them links to the build and stuff. And then, um, you know, whenever there was a convention, GDC was a big deal going down and, and meeting with them there. And, excuse me. And wherever else there was a Sony used to do. Um, couple years ago i think they stopped but they used to do this yearly it was kind of like their replacement for e3 where they'd make a bunch of announcements and stuff so we'd fly down there and talk to them at that point and whenever we can get their ear essentially we just took advantage of that time mm-hmm. and were there any sort of connections that like you i know you guys said you'd gone to like the big stuff but were there any surprising like just even on a personal level like hey i like what you guys are doing i actually just want to 
invest in this opportunity on a personal level? Is there any of that that you ran into or discussed, like even angel level individuals who just kind of help contribute or significantly push you guys further, even if it wasn't financially, something that smaller companies could look to do as well? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we did meet some people that were interested in investing on a much smaller scale mm-hmm. for a small portion of it. But, you know, when you um, you start fracturing the, the the stock at that point and then you got to evaluate as a studio, is it worth it? And how much closer is that going to bring us to our our goal? So, you know, we we entertain them. And we talk to, to as many people as we could. And we just chose the deals that we believe were right for us. Yeah. And that at times would mean maybe passing up certain opportunities that didn't quite align with what we were looking to do. Okay. Well, that's, I do want to actually touch on that because I was going to ask you a follow-up question, but you're giving me this great opportunity for a segue. You guys saying you even passed on some of the opportunities that didn't align, right? Like a lot of small studios or a lot of people who are garage level developers are probably will willing to accept or jump on any opportunity. So I guess, is there any sort of feedback that you have to like, yep, we identified this wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to help our goal. And so we had to say no, you know, any, I guess, insight on that or identifying those without putting in too much time or too much effort before finding out that like, oh, this isn't what we want. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I'm going to try and not get in trouble with this answer. So I'm not going to name specific publishers or anything, but, um, there, there. Uh, I think we, we, in our situation, we we had an idea of the market we wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. We had an idea of how we thought VR would would grow, like the direction we thought the 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 whole industry would 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 work. And we had an idea of of things like IP ownership and stuff like that that mm-hmm. were important to us because we, you know, we we're a firm believer that like if you look at Pixar, like the value of that studio is um, it's, it's their people and their the products that they put out, like their IPs, you know, owning Toy Story, owning mm-hmm. um, Bugs Life and The Incredibles and all that kind of stuff. So, so we, you know, we had some pillars that we really felt we needed to achieve. And, and then it was just a matter of like working with the right partner that mm-hmm. believed in the same thing that we believed in. Because we, we were under the belief, and we still are, that with like-minded business partners, we're able to achieve a lot of great things. Mm-hmm. And finding the right business partners, finding the, the, the like-minded individuals that can see the opportunities um, and, and can see what you're trying to do and, and understand that and then are willing to work with you and, and help you get there. And I think the key is to help you get there as opposed to tell you how to get there. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's really the thing that, that meant the most to us. And I think this answer is different, of course, for you guys than everybody else. But how many no's did it take to finally find the right partner, both sides? Oh, my God. You know, I, luckily, I wasn't in a lot of those meetings and, and the founders really had to deal with that. But um, I, I'm sure it was a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, if you were to kind of talk and pull Richard aside from Bungie, <laughs> right now and kind of qualm his worries knowing what you do now even when the times were tough what would you say to that guy like to convince him to do this you mean yeah yeah like knowing what you know now to that yeah. person right before you quit your job at Bungie. he's on the fence right yeah. like he's still thinking about staying at Bungie, where there's security where there's safety where there's trajectory um yeah 
How do you instead of showing your bank account? Yeah, I was gonna say without <laughs> hey kid. <laughs> Check this out. <laughs> uh, showing the bank account wouldn't really prevent some, but um <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I just say, well, you know, you're still able to pay the bills, the kids can still eat, and you're following your dream, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's a huge thing right there. Because uh, obviously you flip-flop you work from home and at the office sometimes how does that work yeah you know so we got a very liberal work from home policy so it's very cool to just be like because usually on tuesdays i'll just work from home which is great you know Mm -hmm. just spend some time with the family and pick off some of the work items on my list knock them out and stuff like that it's great um but yeah it's if i I could actually i'd tell my my bungee self but you can work from home whenever you want and i'd be like (laughs) oh yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. score (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> One of the things that we always hear coming up is that, especially when we're talking to AAA developers who have spent a lot of years in the industry, but they're at like their last rope with things. Like just a lot of things has happened uh, where they're not sure if the passion's still there. I mean, that's the honest truth, right? And so they would even skip this part where going indie is such a risk. They would actually just switch industries altogether. Like I'm sure, you know, people like that, Larry, between Larry and I, we know people like that. And it's a shame because those are the highest caliber dudes that we need to kind of keep this industry growing because a lot of the mistakes are usually mistakes because of inexperience Mm -hmm. with projects And so uh, I guess I'm making a statement. It's like, I'm kind of seeing that flip flow. So it's great to kind of see someone like you, Richard, like carrying the torch forward and showing the way, man. Like it's really inspirational stuff. Well, it sounds like, like it's your situation too. Like with you starting your thing and um, you're, you're speaking from experience here. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm speaking to third person right now. (laughs) So I have a friend, his name is Brad. Brad. Brad Tam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're, we've been doing a hot This episode, I think I'm kind of prophesizing yeah, yeah, yeah. is like 188 or something. Yeah. Probably. Right. So we've done eight, 187 episodes, 187 episodes before we started the first one. I already was at that place. Like I was in a dark, like looking around, I was like, I'm not going to be doing this till I'm 60 attitude. Not like this. Right. And I always go back to my college self to kind of help me propel forward. Even now, right? I kind of go back to my college self, even when things are tough. It's like, what did that kid want when he went to college to learn this stuff? He's like, he's always wanted to make his own game, contribute to something that wouldn't exist without him. And that's just my whole career has been kind of clamoring towards that. And I, I wouldn't, I would do myself a disservice if I don't at least give it a try. So you got and, me excited for you now. <laughs> I can't wait to see what you do now. <laughs> I'll be bumming yeah, off out on the streets of Seattle, dude. <laughs> it's like, we should we should send him that secret there. link. I know, right? You can see it right now. I know, right? Ooh, okay. But uh, we're we're like that's the most interesting part. Like we're always talking to guests about questions that I feel a lot of people are so unsure of, and so the second thing. Now knowing that Moss is a success, you guys are doing well. Self-sustainable is success. <laughs> you you guys haven't announced a second project. You haven't announced DLC. I'm not asking for that. So we'll usually after 
a thumbs up from everybody. We did well. Like what, what are the conversations like the second time around? Is it mostly like postmortem? Like we could have done this better or like, do we engage in our plans that we had before? What the, I mean, you guys are sound like well thought out people. So I'm sure you had some mind. It's yeah, it's, it's challenging assumptions and then reevaluating. So, um, like obviously a postmortem, we all did that internally, you know, what went well, what didn't go well. Um, and then it's, it's figuring out, well, what do we want to do next? What's best for the studio? Where does the industry look like it's going? And does everybody, would you say your studio take equal part in trying to shape that destination and shape that evaluation of what the next move is? Yeah, actually, you know, the, the, the way the studios run is we don't, it's, it's like a flat structure. So everyone's got to say everyone, and there's 15 of us, there's actually 16 of us now, but there was 15 of us until last week. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, you know, we just all got in a room, which is easy with 15 people. I'm just like, where do we want to go next? What do we want to do? And, um, you know, the, the founders pretty much are the guys making the decisions, but they're, they're sourcing all the information from all of us. Mm-hmm. So the question always with, after the first game is growth or not, are you guys pretty contained with 16 or is just waiting for the idea to kind of figure that out? I know we're taking it day by day. And, you know, the thing about growing is, you know, you make a commitment to an employee for mm-hmm. X number of years. Right. So, so when you start to hire up, it's, it's a, it's a serious commitment and you have to be sure that you have that kind of a runway for X amount of time to be able to say to this employee, yes, you have employment here. You don't have to worry about being unemployed. You know, we understand there's a risk involved, but we can guarantee this much time at least. And just be upfront about that kind of stuff. So for us to be in that situation, we need to make sure that we have business um, business opportunities in place. We have to make sure that, you know, we have team structure in place. Um, we have the correct leadership in place. And then, you know, pull the trigger once we understand, okay, we can do this. We've done our homework. We know that by bringing in X number of people, they will be safe. I mean, they won't have to worry about unemployment. They don't have to worry about any of that BS. And then we can, we can say, okay, um, that gives us time to constantly readjust, constantly, constantly reevaluate. And we've got this deal or this, this amount of time in place and we're, we're set, we're good to go. So we are very, very careful about growth for that reason. Um, you know, the, the most expensive part of running a business are the employees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you, can't, you can't play with people's lives either. So, so being very careful with that is important. Yeah. I give you credit for the first thing being said is when you hire an employee, you're making a commitment of years. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the fact that you guys think that way, it should be status quo, but, you know, it isn't. Yeah. There's a lot of those like, oh, it's contract three month. And if you do well, you know, yeah. convert or maybe. Yeah. Another way to look at it is like one U S employees are 10 Chinese workers. It's getting tough, man. It, it is, this is true yeah. though. Outsourcing is a thing. So, well, and that's, yeah, there's all different types of, of ways to hire somebody and outsourcing is certainly the cheaper way to go about it. Mm-hmm. And it's not, we're not ruling that out. It's just, it's a terrible idea though like i've been (laughs) i've been part of 2k and we had an outsourcing 2k china and it was great they do great work but of course the communication was not always there so in the end it was like 
was it worth all the trouble kind of going back and forth rather than hiring an in-house person? And for every outsource that I've dealt with at every suit, that has always been the case. It's like, would it have been faster if we just hired someone next to me versus cheap labor, you know, and fast? You know, what's interesting about that scenario is, you know, who could clean up right now? An artist who is fluent in English and Mandarin. Yeah. Who actually lives in China. Yeah. Somebody who fits that wheelhouse, like could just literally eliminate the communication worries going back and forth. You could demand so much salary. You know what yeah. I mean? There's yeah. a lot of artists that I I know that actually did that. Yeah. That's went awesome. overseas. <laughs> yep. Set up a studio in the Philippines, wherever they're from. Yep. Sound like you have a lot of experience dealing with this topic. <laughs> oh, man. Well, no, I, I have stories. I, I just came off a project, too, where okay. we had a studio in the U.S. doing development during the day. And then from our perspective, studio in China doing development at our night. And so mm-hmm. it's like this piston-style development where we're like, hey, the game will never stop being worked on for more than like an hour and a half to Idealistically. Hours, yeah, idealistically. <laughs> it never works out. <laughs> Like, it was fun and I learned a lot. That is mm-hmm. that is my that is my spin on you know how it went. But mm-hmm. I can definitely say that, like, yes, I will completely under co-sign it. Communication breakdowns do cost. They cost time, which you don't get back, and they cost money, which you don't get back. You know, so that has to be incorporated into the how cheap is it really? You know, so yeah. No, I'm I'm actually still our, our only animator in rigor. So <laughs> so so I, I argue with myself all the time. <laughs> But this is one of the questions, right? Because the way I see indie is, uh, is becoming, hopefully not becoming, it's kind of like the early days of PS2, right? Where it was like a, a team of 15, 20, maybe 30 people. Or PS1, to be honest. But then it slowly grew and grew. So what I'm hoping is that it stays a certain way and actually indie and not follow the footsteps of our previous console generation which we can easily it's like now we can we have all the tools in the world to make high quality games if we add more people you know we can it's just it's just following the cycle again that's kind of leading up to these uh 300 plus teams that we're having right now i think the trick is is if we add the right people yeah you know so it's like uh, really you know focusing on getting high functioning you know self-motivated talented people like one really experienced, really high functioning, really excited, focused dev can do so much. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you have an army of those people, like you're, you'll be able to do amazing things with a very small group. Brandon, take a look at this, man. What's going on? Yeah, dude, this is what I made. Uh, started with a blank scene and with a couple of button clicks I have. Hold on this wow dude for a level designer and for any glimpse of being an artist this is actually impressive and how did you achieve this well okay i didn't make it that quick sorry guys but honestly i've been working on this for the last couple days and most of the work was actually done pretty fast thanks to using the stuff that i have available on mega scans and quixel uh all my textures stole from them <laughs> i didn't make anything original there but the models i found i did all the placement and arrangement and i did it really fast mm-hmm. i'm really excited that i as a designer with no artistic skill whatsoever can at least just do composition of artistic things 
Dude, so thanks to Quixel, like I actually am making environments for my games a lot faster now. So this is really cool. I'm glad that's, you showed me this. That's amazing, man. Yeah, I, I do remember showing you this. Uh, Quixel.com. Uh, instead of megascans.sc, even if you input the old name, it's going to forward you to Quixel.com. And uh, I did remember giving you a code that gives you 10% off for an annual that. subscription. So this is their annual subscription already has a discount on top of their monthly. But with our discount code gives you extra 10% because mm-hmm. we're that cool. So GDU 10 enter it in the checkout. We'll give you again, 10% off of your annual subscription and anything photogrammetry, texture assets, anything that you want to use to get photorealism, go to quicksil.com. So when you guys um, started with the core group of obviously people working with each other at Bungie uh, for X amount of years, mm-hmm. And then decided to start bringing more people on that didn't have that repertoire, right? How was that? Because I feel like that always kind of changed the dynamic of the team a bit. It's like, oh, you're kind of, I know you're friends of this friend, but I never really work with you. So it's kind of like, it's always a really odd, but it's so intimate, right? Because you're in a small setting because that kind of affects things, right? Uh, You know, uh, I think there were only like two or three people that weren't from Bungie. Uh, (laughs) So (laughs) it was pretty much the character team from Bungie. We all, I mean, not, not all of us, but many of us were like the, the animation engineering lead is our CEO. Um, you know, I was lead animator. We've got the lead character modeler slash artist. you know, so it's like the character focused group of people, we all just stuck together and we all did this together. And then there was, we've got a guy from, um, rockstar and we had a guy from Epic um, and I think that was the only two devs that weren't from Bungie. Well, then that leads me to a very juicy and interesting question is assuming this entire group leaves company A and goes to form or join company B. I'm assuming company A had some sort of feeling or some sort of reaction to this completely coincidental occurrence. Get people get volunteering to quit. No, no, no. It's, no uh, I, I won't get like so here's the cool answer to this. Yeah. Is yeah. Bungie was totally cool with it. Like they oh, they are an amazing studio. They wished us well. They were oh. there for us. They they had our backs. They even introduced introduced us to some investors and oh, nice. God, Bungie, Bungie was Shout amazing. Out to Bungie. Yeah, I love that studio. That studio is fantastic. And we didn't leave because we were unhappy. We just yeah. left because we wanted the self-creative opportunity. And what's great about that is let's assume the worst or the best case scenario. I don't think that either of the groups would say we would never work with that group again based right. on that separation experience. Yeah, I think all of us, we were actually a lot of us were, were thinking, well, if this doesn't work, maybe we can just go knocking on the door and like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's back. Of course. Think. <laughs> People are always hungry for talent. Is one of the things that I got to remember. <laughs> if I do this, like, I can go back, even if it doesn't work out. But uh, yeah, I mean, one of the things that um, that is recent, I want to know your take because you're on the ground floor being an indie developer. Like, we are beginning to have more and more ways to kind of deliver our games, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, GDC, Google is becoming a big player. You don't have to say anything if you guys have plans, but like, I just want to know your thoughts on what these new avenues um, 
I know you guys aren't making iPhone games, but like uh, the Apple Arcade stuff, like these type of new services that are more about monthly fees, more so than copies sold. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear what your thoughts about that. Oof. It's you know it's complicated because there's got to be a um, value proposition for the developer for it to be worth it, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So um, you it's without knowing what these business models for like Google is because they haven't announced any pricing structure or anything like that, and and Apple with their 100 exclusive games, it's hard to say what type of a scope they have or, or anything like that. So it's until they release more information, and it's really difficult to form much of an opinion other than curiosity, mm-hmm. and then look at you know what the potential back-end business for these studios is going to be like if you look at the bottom line and you say well i i dedicate these next two years to making this product and here's a potential profit from it um will that be worth it and and what type of team am i going to need to pull this off and will i be competitive to the other products that they're probably also you know other teams that they're also speaking with and and then go from there and i think google's smart so they're probably looking at that value proposition for developers and they're probably trying to find ways to maybe at first do some type of deal where Google's the one that takes any profit loss Mm -hmm. so they can get it up and running. That would be my guess. Although I don't know that for sure. And Apple likely doing the same thing. Although they seem a little bit less invested. Um, Google seems like they have a bigger scope to their project. Um, But I'm going to wait and see, because I honestly, you know, don't know details there. You know, it could be very interesting, especially in this era of free to play is I started looking at other monetization strategies. And one that actually stuck with me was how MOBAs go free to play because they are technically free to play is what I call it. Right. So they'll say, hey, this week, here's the stuff that's free. And then here's the stuff that's not available for free this week. But if you want it, you can just buy it. Right. And it's on like this rotation. So it could be interesting to see a platform like like Apple Arcade is like, hey, here are the hundred games that are free that you just by being a part of this service, we're featuring all of these. It's super easy to scroll through a hundred games and check out the different games we're featuring. And if one of the games drops off the list, but you played it for free, or even it's just off the list, it can still be acquired, but at a full price. So like inside of this safe curated demo, we've identified great titles that we think are fun to play. We think they're going to be engaging. They're bug free. Go enjoy. Well, bug free. Go enjoy yourself. You know what I mean? And then, oh, okay. It's 30 days later. That is out of rotation, but you've seen it. It's available now for $39.99 or anybody who missed it, $39.99. You know what I mean? That would be awesome. That'd be a, a, a second source of revenue. That would, be, that great. would be great. Yeah. Because yeah. that free period opens it up to the millions of eyes, so to speak, or however many yeah. people who are just interested in playing something for free. And then that hopefully boost of people checking out your product could then lead into like, oh, that game was awesome. I saw my friends playing it or I saw it on Twitch. and Oh, I missed the window, but I really like this game. It was exposed to me for free and I want to keep playing it. So now I'm going to pay the blank fee. You know, I think something like that could be pretty cool. Yeah. And that would be good for a studio, too, because it would be a lot more motivation to I mean, it'd be a lot better chance that they'd make their money back on something like that. Mm-hmm. I hope you're right. well speaking on that kind of jumping off that point congratulations polyarch richard you guys are the top five percent of indie games that actually can make their second game i mean you guys are on a platform above all graveyards so (laughs) it's a it's a tough thing all right so 
This is morbid, man. <laughs> it's morbid, but I'm talking to you because you are a beacon of hope here. So, what were the precision strikes that you guys that you feel that your team were able to do? Because obviously, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of luck into it. There's a lot of timing, sure, but the 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 strategy that you guys employed that you felt like, hey, these are the differences that we made that ensured our success. Because I think that's that's the big difference why you guys are where you are versus other indie studios that are made every every year, right? Yeah, it's well, it's, it's a complicated question too because there's so many facets and so many things that happen just out of pure luck, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, if I was to look at the things that like the decisions that we made that worked out, I think being in the VR market, even though VR is not taking off like wildfire, like everyone was kind of hoping it would, mm-hmm. it is a growing market. Like it's mm-hmm. it's getting bigger every month. Mm-hmm. And by having a game out there that was received well, like review wise, it's doing well and, you know, has a lot of positive buzz, um, has an appealing art style. So a lot of people have jumped in. Um, we are still able to sell copies. When somebody gets a new headset, they look around, well, what are my options? Right, oh, right. I have this game lost. And, you know, and then we, we get a sell from something like that. So I, I think being in that growth market has been a, been a help. I think making a, an, a broadly appealing game. Um, that has interesting design and interesting aesthetics has been helpful. And then I, I think it's establishing a character-based game. Because if you look at um, if you look at the industry, uh, the most successful products are uh, most successful IPs are all based around a relatable character. Mm-hmm. Um, so having a, a character that was more than just a gameplay automaton, but um, uh, so, something that people could relate to, like. I did this tweet on um, sign language using having Quill or the mouse use sign language. It's 10 million views and just crazy blew up the internet. Kotaku's doing a story and all this kind of stuff. Wow. Got a ton of, of free advertising. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that advertising helps, but I think what, what really helped was now she feels like a real character. So when you, you play with her in the game, you're connecting with her on an emotional level. You're not just experiencing a gameplay automaton. You're actually experiencing your emotions about this character and seeing that character experience emotions and it, oh. it makes it feel more real and then solidifies the ip right with that being said since you're such a you're so tied into character development right yeah that's yeah um the games of before were let's talk about gordon from half-life where you're kind of like this empty shell and someone kind of stepping in as a player do you feel like those games are harder to sell nowadays because of that reason? I think times have changed. Yeah, I think um, like the supporting characters in Half Life, I think, made a big impact in the like how believable that world was, which mm-hmm. then in turn makes Gordon feel more real. Um, so I think that's what worked out well for Valve. They're very good at getting those supporting characters, and their their writing team is fantastic. But I think when you have games that focus squarely on the gameplay side of things and try and don't do enough to to bring you something relatable even if it's not character based even if it's just like environmentally based or story driven based or even just a gameplay feature that people really resonate with like finding something that is personally relatable that people can invest their emotions into not just their time but like invest who they are into that and see a reflection of themselves like i think that's that's like a good movie does that right Mm -hmm. and i think more and more as games get more sophisticated it's it's becoming expected Mm -hmm. the other good news is 
top level VR is actually getting quite affordable. Vive, I think, is down to like a five hundred dollar price point, brand new for the first. Yeah, Vive, and that was fantastic, right? So, PSVR plus Oculus is also cheaper now. So, I definitely see yeah. the ground floor user base actually not necessarily exploding, but I can see it rapidly increasing. It's yeah, increasing now. Yeah. Have you seen much about the Quest yet? The the new Facebook one. We haven't I tried haven't, it on. We haven't tried it. We're definitely looking forward to. Oh my god, it is so good! Like Ooh. not having any wires, having it all self-contained. Those controllers, the new touch controls, are amazing. Like I'm, yes, that's. <laughs> we honestly think that that's going to change things. Okay, so yeah. let me ask you this: based on all of the VR devices that you've seen and everything that you know about that's coming, Hololens, everything included. Where do you feel like aside from your partners? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> where do you feel like the new this, VR from this is your Richard's opinion? Okay, guys, yeah. where's the where's the where's the quest? Would you say ranked as far as overall? I, you know, it's it's uh, without. I don't want to break any NDAs here, so you guys are gonna get me in trouble. Um, okay. What I can say is though that that, uh, that um, you know we've gotten some hands on time with the quest, and it's awesome. You know, because yeah. Moss is a release title for that, so we have to make sure it works on, on the Quest. Okay. So that's the best one. So here, I'll, I'll do it this I'll, way. I'll, I'll do it, it this way. Awesome. This is an audio podcast, so no one can see your hands, right? So <laughs> oh, okay. Leave your hands to show Brandon and I. <laughs> Where? <laughs> Just do this. I'm going to start naming off uh, VR sets. <laughs> this is all visual. Bro. <laughs> but I, I will sign off. Like, there's a trajectory that VR sets are going to take off. Facebook made a ga- big gamble, which set the VR industry forward. It's going to happen. Uh, Larry and I have our own theory about uh, the imme- intermediary step, which was AR. For VR to really take off, AR has to be here first for, for that to work so that people transition over. But people are going to naturally want to visit virtual worlds as vacation time. Like, it's it's... The Matrix told us that every sci-fi movie is heading towards that. So, <laughs> and every time, honestly, every time anyone tries VR, they get it. It's like it's not it's not the uh, the technology that people doubt. It's right now they just got to figure out mask this part. Program. Yeah, the yeah. mask. Like, do I want to put on the mask? Turn on the menu? Like, that's people are so lazy nowadays. They just don't want to go through that step. Even though it's like two steps now with the quest, it's like bah. yeah, <laughs> no more setup. Yeah. So the, the the faster they get to like, I don't know, blinking the eye and then it turns on, <laughs> the, the easier it is to sell. Yeah. What scares me is like I love the idea of the quest, but I'll say this: I'm still probably going to use it in my home and not necessarily just out in public yeah. because you know people can see me, I can't see people. Is <laughs> always a thing I'm concerned about. Oh man, people taking my wallet feel so real. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, you see that car coming? <laughs> yeah, it's oh, so it feels so real. Sounds like a real car is coming at me. This yeah. is great. Yeah. This Frogger is so lifelike. Oh yeah, it's yeah, definitely happening. AR, because AR is gonna be like now, that. AR, yeah, AR, I'm saying like I don't mind wearing the device knowing that I'm seeing a layer on top of reality where I can like, oh shit, let me get out of the way of this yeah. person coming at me with a knife trying yeah. to take whatever. But mm-hmm. I know we're painting a bleak like very slim chance, but seriously, it's a concern. Like if I was walking around, exactly. Even if I felt like I was in a safe place, like, Oh, I've gone to this field and I put on this device and I know that like, I'm safe. I'm only relatively safe because if I can't see what's actually around me, you know, that's, so that's why even if it's wireless, I still am just going to enjoy it in my house. Most likely. Well, I mean, that's Uh, what 
John yeah. Carmack, his like two hour address was about like, in, like the way they market VR is that everyone's up and active and jumping around. But in reality, most people yeah. just sit down yeah. and just like play VR at like yeah. low bodily yeah. functions. So. You're getting lean. Like I'll, I'll lean, I'll lean fast, but yeah. I know that my feet are still secured to the ground. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Um, well, actually I've got a question uh, and four follow-up questions. If you don't mind. Sure. Okay, I'm going to ask them really fast. Very specific. Very specific. <laughs> yeah. sure four? Yes, I'm quite <laughs> sure there's four follow-up questions. <laughs> so this is the fast five. You've you've been here before. <laughs> I'm going to ask you five rapid fire questions, and all I need from you is five rapid fire answers. And let's see if we can beat your last time score. Are you ready to play? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Right, let me insert the coin. Okay. Question number one: Name a non-domesticated animal you wish you could have as a pet. Chinchilla. All right. Question number two: A sports team you would never bet against. Ah, uh, I have to name a sports team. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any sports. <laughs> you know, the, the blue Patriots. team. Patriots. Hey, uh, that's a, that's a fantastic answer. I'm going to take ten seconds off your time just for that. Question number three: The last game that you purchased. Um, Wargroove. Question number four: Song you always skip that's still on your playlist. Uh, the one eight hundred cars for kids commercial on the radio. <laughs> uh, question number five: A game franchise you'd be excited to work on today? God of War. Oh, shout out to the folks over at Sony Santa's. That's yeah. going to be an awesome next one that they make. And that actually was really fast. You had a great time. Not only did you beat your last time, but you went up three spots on the high score <laughs> list. I'm looking at it right now. So Wait, congratulations. Updates real time. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't want to get into it, but you yeah, know, yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> your name is there yeah, for sure. I don't have enough time. We've already used all the fast five times. So hell yeah, dude. So <laughs> of course we talked about how you made the transition. Did you feel like that was the time with all your skill set, your resume, everything? That was the only time, the best time. For you to go on this journey or was there i know you have no regrets but i'm sure there's moments in our lives that you know there are certain times like this where uh you felt like maybe when i was younger i could have done this knowing what i know now or that was it that was when it happened it happened that was the way it was well i'm sure you guys are probably thinking about this too but you know um it wasn't just the opportunity and the timing it was the team mm-hmm. so um like Tam, Danny, Chris, and the rest of the crew at, at Polyarch. It's like being able to, to work with a team that, that I had no doubt was going to do something amazing. Um, you know, I couldn't, that's what I couldn't pass up. Mm-hmm. No, that's very, that's very true, man. Like Larry and I have been at this for a while. And what I found out is like more so than the idea, more so than the timing is the people. Cause yeah through the tough time, it's the people that kind of pulls through. Even if you have like the experts of every discipline ever in the world, it's like, if the gelling isn't there, like it's, it's going to fall apart very easily. Yeah. The dynamics have to be right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the push and pull has to be just right. Otherwise it snips. <laughs> Amen. Well, which one? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I got to ask you a question. It's my Dude, time it's, interviewing you guys. I hope you don't worry. Super no, ready. Like, are you guys de- like? I know with your opportunities right now, is that something you're considering? Or 
Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. We have so much thing, so many things that we're like juggling right now. Mm-hmm. So Larry's a full time and we actually announced this a few episodes ago. Full-time so I know Richard, you. you're a regular listener, so you know this. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> so I'm about I'm mm-hmm. on the way. So there's yeah. things that we're about to announce uh that we're gonna talk to you, Richard, about mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. And um we're just setting for me. I'm just setting things because I'm the family guy. I need certain steps to be there uh, for me to go full out. And, uh, and it's exactly what you said, man. It's um, the people have to be correct. The dynamic has to be there before anything else. And as long as you trust that the process and everything, the ideas will come into fruition. And so we have that group, we have that group for our game that we're working on. And uh, a lot of it is just, uh, like you said, having that little that safety net so that we can work on it full time. Yeah. And having that runway, basically. Yeah. Because a lot of it right now, for me, it's like yeah, eight hours at work and then sure. the podcast. And then it's like, oh, my God, I'm being torn apart. It's like, what time do I actually have to sit down and, and concentrate on something? So, so me being this far into indie, what I can say is the money's different. <laughs> and therefore (laughs) the decision making is different it's i think of you know even a ten dollar purchase i'm thinking about more about the value because before when you're like that ten dollars is going to come back to me like in a week and a half when i get paid again or whatever whatever or this is my budget for x y and z and i just spend it and i don't care because i know that i have a job i know that i have income i know that i have x now i'm looking at it like do I really need, is this, do I, is it, do I have to go to the movies today? Can I just watch Netflix? Like is Avengers will be on Netflix if I just wait, you know what I mean? And I have Netflix and it's like, it's, it's not even about being broke. uh, I don't know if you guys watch this, but it's uh, Marie Kondo, you guys, the Japanese woman that is all about minimalism. Yeah. And she's like, pick up, <laughs> pick up your, your, your item is like, does this bring me happiness? Does this bring me value? If not throw it away. Yeah. It's, <laughs> no, it changes. It changes. I'm not even going to lie to you. It it completely changes. And I feel that's what like, Larry's doing with everything. It's like, do I really need to eat this right now? Can I go through <laughs> another two days of starvation? <laughs> You're not far off, man. I've been <laughs> do I need this? <laughs> was- I, the funny thing about that is that I saw like a, a meme where it's like uh, someone doing that with a Jira bug is like, do I really need this right now? <laughs> Does it bring me happiness if not throw it away? <laughs> Which killed me. That's uh, funny. <laughs> so yeah, in all seriousness, a lot of things about how I used to live has changed. You know, obviously there was an initial shock of like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm doing this. I've done it. And now in the follow through phase, it's like, okay, you did it. Like you're committed to it. So what do you have to adjust to make this work? How are you still going to create income for yourself? How are you still going to make sure that you have long-term sustainability as well as short-term sustainability? So I've actually done a whole lot more reading uh, and a whole lot more YouTube podcasting of things like, Oh, how to prepare indie, how to do this, how to like, I'm learning so much of my multitasking now and it is like sticking. Like I'm, I'm not reviewing it twice. Like it's got it. (laughs) I'm implementing strategies on a daily basis. It's been fun, but it's been beneficial. It really has been beneficial because it sounds like a good, good, like a good learning opportunity. Really? You're going to grow. Even if you go back to work with your tails between your legs, right? <laughs> You're going to grow as a person, as a professional. That's how I see it. It's like if my lose situation is that I'm going to come back uh, 
and, and, and become a better developer because of it, a better business person. Wherever I leave off, my businesses will be further ahead than it was before I left my job, right? So yeah. a lot of what Larry's doing now is what I'm preparing. It's like, as a family man, what is my minimum living value for my yeah. family and myself? It's like, all right, I got to pay the mortgage and I got to eat. It's like, I'm in a place where no debt, no nothing. Those are the two things. Like, I think I can fucking do that. <laughs> it's like, I think by this time, 10 plus years in the industry, I like I can handle that. It's just my, my wages are going back to like junior mid-level artists. It's like, yeah, it's like, all right. But now I'm building something up on my own, which is like very valuable. That's a lifetime value right there. You have 100% equity, right? Uh-huh. Like in what you're I'm doing. zero, yeah. It's you amazing. Have, you, know, you have more time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Definitely more time. That's what I'm looking forward to. Like just more time with the family. So I know what it's like. Like I found, I think that's as as a person, like I've been um, blessed enough to know what my, my perfect happy day is. Like I've lived through that, which is being home with my family, being the be able to work what I want to work on and being able to go back to spending time with my family and have like a good night's sleep. Like, that's all I need to be happy. If I can repeat that, which I feel like even if I do this, anything and through the hard times and the bad times, uh, the good times, like I get, I will get those days. Yeah. Like, so that to me is a, already something I haven't tried for a while. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Focusing on what's important. Mm-hmm. What really need, yeah. Yeah. So, uh Richard, again, thank you so much. Yeah. Like it's always inspirational to talk to you, knowing that you guys did this thing with your friends and everything and came out the other side and are awesome at it. And we really look forward to to what you guys have next, man. No, thanks for having me. I really appreciate talking to you guys. It's always a lot, it's always a joy being here with you guys. Hey, well, you know, if you want a residency and just keep on coming back, <laughs> we, obviously we worked something out with Ray. He seems to be satisfied. He's stuck, <laughs> stuck here with us. But, yeah, yeah. Rich, it's it's always my pleasure to have you on the podcast as well. I co-signed there. all the good stuff Brandon was saying. And just from a personal standpoint, I really do appreciate the influence, the positive influence that you have over not just us, but that you're offering to our community of listeners. I think that the same reason, the same reason why we're excited about listening to you, our whole audience will probably feel the same. Who knows how many people you've inspired to like get even a foot closer to their goal, just based on you going through it, you having those fears, sharing how you felt about it, and then being like, I did it and it was okay. Jumped off the diving board into the deep end, and you know what? It was okay. Right? The next person behind you on the block is like, Oh, hey, it might be okay. So Yeah, if I get that, if it if it helps, man, I I I would, I mean, that's why I do what I do. I mean, that's why we all do what we do is to bring, you know, entertain people and, and, and inspire people and do what we love to do. So that'd be awesome. Mutual respect is quite all right. I'm Larry Charles and I'm saying good night. This is Brandon Fan. Thanks for listening. See you guys next week. Take care. Yeah. <laughs> So thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope that you're a subscriber, but if you aren't, please feel free to follow us on any of the major podcast platforms, especially iTunes or Spotify. 
You can find show notes and more resources available to help you become a successful game developer. Just go on over to our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. If you're interested in keeping the conversation going, then definitely come check us out in Discord, where we chat in real time for After Show Tuesdays to discuss episodes, and Feedback Fridays, where we share screenshots on the projects that we're currently working on. If you go over to Patreon.com, you can support our podcast financially. And if you do so, you get access to Life Unchained, our on-the-pulse, unfiltered game dev gossip content that we make exclusively for our Patreon supporters. And as usual, you can keep in touch and follow our happenings on Facebook and Twitter. That's Game Dev Unchained, the podcast.